0: conductive wire. And you so electric. I had no say when you came so near. and just pass right through me hey everyone welcome to Geekdom is back I'm your host Deanna Chapman and I am joined once again by Becky Rice. this time we are not talking about Sonic we're talking about a much different kind of thing we're talking about the haunting of Bly Manor Becky how are you doing today
1: well now I'm trying to figure out how to talk about Sonic <laughs> because I took that as a challenge. So I'll see what I can do for you.
0: (laughs) Okay, I'll hold you to that.
1: I don't know that it's going to happen, but maybe. (laughs) Before we
0: dive into Bly Manor, though, you and I both did watch The Haunting of Hill House. You said you don't remember as much of it, but I wanted to bring it up simply because this is along the lines of something like American Horror Story, where each season is a different story, but some of the actors. Crossover through the seasons, and with the haunting of Bly Manor, you have the return of Victoria Padretti, Oliver Jackson Cohen, and they're kind of the main two. But then you get a little bit of Henry Thomas in here, and you get very, very little of Carla Gugino, which kind of bummed me out because I really like her and she's worked with Mike
1: Flanagan a ton. Well, maybe whatever the third installment of this is will allow us to spend some more time with her. And that would be fun and nice. I don't know that there's going to be another one.
0: Yeah, and obviously the first season was based off of a Shirley Jackson novel. So I think there's plenty Mm -hmm. of like haunted house stories that they could build the show off of, or they could also just create an original haunted house story too, if they really wanted to.
1: I doubt that they'll do an original. I feel like this thing of like adapting a story I think is is interesting, especially because these are like, if we talk about the haunting of Hill house and then we talk about Bly Manor, which is turn of the screw, right? Both of them are small books, but with a lot to explore. And I, I like the, like turning it into a show rather than a film. And so I'm excited to see what, what the next one might be. I've heard a lot of people talk about this, and I feel like for the most part, it's all been pretty positive like i haven't really I haven't really heard very many people say that they didn't like it. I have heard a few people say that they thought that it was boring. I think that they're wrong.
0: I think they wanted to be scared by it like they were with Hill House, because Hill House definitely went for a lot more of the jump scares than Bly Manor did. This one was more of a slow burn, at least for me. And, you know, you also have Kate Siegel who returns. And if anyone doesn't know, she is married to Mike Flanagan, which explains why she shows up in so many of his things, because they clearly enjoy working together. And then you have, you know, a few other main characters. You have... Miles and Flora, Owen, Mrs. Gross, Jamie, and they are all actors who are not in Hill House at any point. So it's not like everyone from Hill House is returning necessarily. And I think that works better because then you don't have to necessarily force people into roles that maybe they aren't the best suited
1: for. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is doing that like anthology thing, like big American Horror Story energy. I think that having a few key characters, or not characters, but a few key actors returning, but not the entire cast, like you said.
0: And you can rotate out who reappears too, depending on who fits what role.
1: Yeah. And I would be really interested to see that because I think that that's one thing that after a couple of seasons kind of got me disinterested in American Horror Story. Like, at first, it was fun to be like, oh, who is this person going to be in this season? Or when are we going to see this actor?
0: Well, what they did with Horror Story is they started connecting the seasons so that the same character would appear. And then you would also have that same actor playing a different character that would connect in a different way. And it was starting to get confusing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I stopped watching. I want to say I watched half of Roanoke and I didn't finish it. And that was the last that I watched. And I've had people tell me that I don't know which one it is, but whatever the political season is that they think that I would like that one. I think I'm done with that show. I've moved on. I've watched all of them. No surprise. (laughs) Because you are a completionist and you're like, all right, I started this. I got to see this through. Whereas me, I'm like, what if this turns into like 30 seasons of this show? I don't want to give this show the rest of my life.
0: You would think I would be more willing to not watch things all the way through considering I know how shows like Dexter ended.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Most TV shows just don't end well. Like like they go for so long and then they just run out of ideas. I think shows, normalized shows ending after just a handful of seasons, that's what I think we should do. Or yeah. That that's that's my pitch.
0: And I think that's why something like this works better because you know each season is one complete story. Like if you have not seen The Haunting of Hill House, it does not impact this story in any way.
1: No, it really doesn't. Like the only thing is just that like some of the actors are there and it doesn't really even like teach you how to watch the show because the pacing of them is so different. Um, So I definitely agree. You could have just dove right in with this one and not really had to have that background with Haunting of Hill House. I'm saddened that I don't remember more of it because I feel like I remember liking it.
0: Oh, I remember so much of it because so much of it was so well shot. And I was actually recently watching The Changeling. And there's a scene in that movie and I was like, oh my goodness, Mike Flanagan has seen this movie a few times because I was like, I see where he gets his kind of style when doing things like The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor. And it was just like, oh, okay, Haunted House story. I I see which movies Mike Flanagan has watched maybe a couple times here. And with this story, I read Turn of the Screw right before watching this. And I could not Mm -hmm. remember anything from The book, and I was like, this does not feel like what happened in the book. And there are some similarities, but I think he also takes a lot of creative liberties, which I love when people do that and they make things interesting. Because not being someone who has read Shirley Jackson's book or The Turn of the Screw multiple times, I've read them once and I was like, yes, these are, you know, good horror stories. But something about seeing the shows, I think, just resonated with me more so than the books did. And I noticed early on a little Stephen King reference when Danny is getting ready to take the job and she returns to her apartment and it's apartment 217, which is the correct room number for The Shining.
1: I didn't notice that. And like, obviously, you are much better versed in the Stephen kingdom than I am. But that one, I feel like I would have noticed and I just didn't see it.
0: It was a very quick glance at her apartment door as she walked in. You saw how bare the Uh apartment was. The mirrors were covered. She kind of packed a bag and left. It wasn't a super long scene. It's not like they directly put the camera on the door number. (laughs) Yeah. But Mike Flanagan is really good at doing that kind of stuff with the story like in The Haunting of Hill House. He supposedly had like all of these ghosts in the background and the shadows and stuff and people were having a lot of fun going and finding them. And I think some people watched it more than once because of that. I didn't really notice anything like that in this one, per se. But Obviously, with him having worked on Gerald's Game and Dr. Sleep, I appreciated the Stephen King reference in this. And it has absolutely no bearing on the story whatsoever, but I just had to point that out because it was the very first note I took.
1: Of course, that would be the first note from you, like the first thing that you notice. (laughs) I love that.
0: (laughs) I also love how this story comes full circle because when Danny arrives she walks up to Mrs. Gross and Miles at the well. And it's kind of a very awkward first interaction, particularly with Mrs. Gross, because she's just staring down the well. And we're kind of like, what is she doing? And she's just like spacing out. And then she introduces herself and kind of apologizes and composes herself. Did you really see what was coming when we first started to, you know, get to Bly Manor and get into meeting all of the characters?
1: Kind of, but not really. So uh, you mentioned like rereading the story right before uh, watching it and then being like, oh, I don't really remember a lot. I also reread it.
0: It was the first time I had read it.
1: Oh, okay. So I've, I've read it before, maybe like once or twice before. So it was like my third read through. But the thing is, is that it's it's a novella. It's not a full novel. Right. And it's a ghost story. And I don't know that I've like studied it, studied it, right? Like I, I believe that I had to read it sophomore year of high school. Um, And we kind of talked about it, but it was more just one of those, like, this is a writer that is well known and you should read some of his work type of thing. It wasn't like, oh, let's break down all these things. So I never really committed a lot of things in it to memory but having read it three total times I went into this being like okay like I got this and then I started watching it and in my head I was like I was like do I not remember any of the book That was exactly how I felt but it's because there's there's a lot of things that are different. A lot of things that are different. Like right off the bat, the setting is different. The wedding is in like the year 2007. And then it kind of flashes back to like the 80s for the actual story. Yeah. And so that's a choice, right? But I guess that's similar to like Hill House, right? Like the flash forwards being set in the present time.
0: Yeah. And because we start with sort of the not the wedding itself, but pre-wedding events or whatever. And you see Carla Gugino appear, but you never get a name. And that's obviously very intentional because then after seeing the whole story play out, I was like, oh, that's Jamie. Like the moment we see her again at the end,
1: I was like, oh, okay. That was when it clicked for me too. At no point in watching the actual show did I go like, oh, okay, like this is going to be her like later, like none of that. But when it does cut back to her at the wedding or the evening before the wedding, as soon as I saw her again, I was like, I was like, oh, oh, okay. But the thing is is like obviously I wouldn't have seen that coming either because Jamie isn't isn't in the book. Right. There's not a gardener. There there's no Owen. And so I think the first couple things that made me realize, like, oh, this is just inspired by this. And so stop stop trying to think ahead and be like, how's this going to happen? Or how's that going to happen? Was the setting being different? And then the the man in the mirror, or the man in the mirrors, right? That's not in the book.
0: I really love that, though, because we see the character before we understand who that person even is. And yes, the way everything unfolds in this is just done so well. Because That's the thing with adaptations. If you're just going for a direct adaptation of this story that you read, maybe modernizing it a little, at least, or in this case, a lot from the 1800s, but you can usually have a general idea of what's going to happen. But I like that Mike Flanagan has been giving us these stories in a new light so that we can't necessarily predict everything that's going to happen because i think if we would have known that character was jamie right at the start none of it would have worked
1: maybe it would have been really weird if we knew that from the beginning but then also the fact that like that she's not remembered like that would have felt really weird too and like we would have been very hung up on like wait how do all of these things happen to these children involving this woman and they have no idea who she is so i do like that it's different i also like that you know simply just like introducing this character right like this like man-in-the-mirror because um, I don't... Does he have a name? Does Danny's fiancé have a name?
0: I don't know what it is either.
1: But, like, in the, in the book, the governess has absolutely no backstory. She's just, like, a, a woman who's there, whereas this, like, gives her, right, like, an entire backstory and, like, makes her, like, a more rounded character and really like makes her the focus.
0: I think Ed was his name.
1: It's not very memorable. <laughs> I feel like they kind of picked a more memorable name. Seeing that character like happen, like right off the bat, I was like, okay, like I, I, have no, I have no idea what this has anything to do with like turn of the screw unless I just forgot everything that's happening. And so then I was just sitting there and I'm like, well, why is she doing this? And why is she doing that? And like, what's happening? And and I kind of expected somehow to like it, bring in the mirrors thing into like the larger or like the, like the core ghost story that we know to be this, this book, but they didn't. And I kind of like that, you know, that it was just like, Nope, this is just this thing with this person. And this is about Danny and Danny's problems and, and working through who she is and like coming into that. So I did, I did like that that happened. Can we talk about the first text that you sent me when you started watching this was the sets are so good. They are. And they are, they are so good. And like, I love that kitchen. That kitchen is dreamy and I want to like, I don't know. I want to bake pies in that kitchen. That's all I could think of when I was like watching it. I was just like, this is my dream. Like I want this kitchen. Like Owen is so lucky that he gets to cook in this kitchen in this home. (laughs) Oh, and the dining, the dining room wallpaper. (laughs) Awesome choice too. Like the sets are beautiful and they look real. Like it, It it feels believable.
0: The thing I've noticed between the two seasons is that when you enter these houses, it's hard to call them houses. They're like gigantic mansions, but, you know, it's obviously a manor and you walk in and it's just this big grand entrance and there's usually a double set of stairs going up and there's like a giant chandelier (laughs) and even though they look similar at times, you know that the two homes are very different, because it's like, I love it when they make these things a character in the story, essentially. And while it's more so the lady in the lake that I think is making these grounds and the house a character, it just works so well, because it's like, they're so old that you want to believe that almost every single one that looks like that is haunted. I do. But also, you just want to be there?
1: (laughs) Yes. Like, I want to experience said haunting. (laughs) And the way they
0: handle the haunting in this, I think, works really well, because it's obvious that the kids have known about the lady in the lake for a while, but sometimes the two of them will just say things, and all of the adults are like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. And we see Mrs. Gross later cleaning up all of the muddy footprints, And she thinks that they are the kids. That part was a little funny because it's like, well, if it's a grown woman, her feet are going to be larger than the children's. Yes. But at the same time, I think because of her being so ghost-like, maybe they can get away with it and just blame it on the kids because for them, who else would it be?
1: Yeah, there's that. I know that I, in that position, would be like, there's no way this child's feet... Are this size. Something is happening. And then I guess the other thing that like I never figured out either is that they say that it happens sometimes, but the cadence of the haunting seems to be every night. So some nights when she comes out of the lake, her feet are muddy and some nights they're not.
0: I didn't really get that either because it seemed like there should have been muddy footprints much more often than there were, but the kids know that she only comes at A certain time because it's very predictable when she's going to come in and basically the whole premise is do not get in her way if you get in her way you're as good as gone and I thought that was very interesting because the first time we see the lady in the lake in the house the kids see her and Danny's up like eating ice cream or drinking wine in the middle of the night or something. And it's like, they're kind of coaxing her away from the path. But at the time, you don't really necessarily realize that you think maybe they're just trying to make sure she doesn't see what they see.
1: So that's what I thought it was, too. Um, I didn't realize that it was like, uh, oh, getting in her path or like what I was like, oh, okay, they just don't want her to see the ghost. They're afraid that it's gonna freak her out. She's gonna leave like whatever because again this is again another character that is in this show that is not in the book um and plays a huge role um in the story like so i didn't really i got i got to actually like think about and chew on and try to figure out like what's going to happen with those um but yeah i think we were kind of in the same boat um with that in the second episode there's this moment where like they decide that they're going to play hide and seek and i remember being like Hell, no, not in this house, like no <laughs> <laughs> like I want no part of this. I love when things are haunted. I love when I think that things are creepy. However, I don't want to be alone, potentially in a dark space in a haunted home.
0: right. What do you think about the fact that when we see Quint, he's kind of only haunting the outside of the house?
1: yeah, like why why is he never inside? Because we know that he can be.
0: Right. It's almost like it isn't until Miss Jessel comes back that he then ends up going through all of those flashbacks and then ends up in the house, ultimately.
1: Because we know he can't leave the grounds. Right. I don't know. I just remember being like, is this guy supposed to be hot? Because I don't get that from that. But then the more that I watched it, I was like, oh, yeah, this guy is supposed to be hot.
0: He definitely comes across very creepy, though. And he's really good at playing this role because he's also in The Invisible Man.
1: The movie. Right. That, That I haven't seen. Spoilers. Deanna, I thought the man was invisible.
0: The man is invisible. I'm just saying he's in the movie. And he played a character who wasn't quite as creepy by any means in Hill House because he played the older version of... Luke, I believe his name was, and he was like a drug addict and all that fun stuff. Right. But in this, for a while, he's just kind of this pretentious helper. You, like,
1: you know that there's something going on Yeah. with him, but you can't quite place what it is.
0: Because he's being like way too pretentious for being this dude's driver. Yes. So you know he's hiding something, and you know it pretty early on.
1: Yeah, you know that pretty early on. And then, like, the way that everybody reacts to her as just being like, oh, like, he must have come back, like, blah, blah, blah. In my head, I thought that everyone in the house knew that he was a ghost. And they were just trying to, like, not let on to Danny. Like, I was convinced that, like, Hannah and Owen, like, they and Jamie, that they knew that he was dead and that he was a ghost. And that that's what she was seeing. And so that's why they were like, oh, no, like, there's no way. And, like, blah, 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 blah. Uh, But turns out they did not know that.
0: I think the only death they actually knew about was Miss Jessel. Yes. Which means, obviously, they didn't know Hannah was dead. Hannah didn't really know Hannah was dead either.
1: Well, Hannah didn't know that Hannah was dead. Yeah.
0: And I love how they played that out, too, because I noticed pretty quickly that she was never eating or drinking with the rest of them she would just hold her drink and never take a sip out of it. If she had a plate of food, she would be like, oh, I'm just going to eat this later. So you feel like she knew looking back, but at the same time, you know, she sees the crack in the wall by the dining room and she Mm -hmm. tells Jamie about it. And Jamie goes over there, looks and sees absolutely nothing. And then she sees the same crack in the little church that they have on the Property and it's the same exact crack. Like it looks exactly the same. It's not any different than the one she saw before. And you're kind of like, oh, she's cracking, (laughs) you know?
1: Yeah. And I immediately, like, my first thought was I was just like, I was like, oh, she's dead. She's a ghost, which is weird because, like, she's a character in the book, but that character does not die. Right. But then I had also already, like, figured out, like, okay, like there's going to be some reimaginings here we know that. So I was like, okay, she's dead. She's a ghost. But then she can interact and touch everyone. Yeah. Well, does she touch? Does she actually touch them?
0: She lays her head on Owen's shoulder at some point and falls asleep. That's right. She does. And she shakes Danny's hand. That's right. So that's why I was like, is she? Because then I was like, okay, let's run through all the theories that I could possibly have, because she's a ghost, but she can touch people. And obviously, the same could be said about Quint. We just didn't see that until later on. And Mm -hmm. episode five was the episode where I was like, okay, what's really going on here? Because it did that thing where it would replay the same event over and over and over again, but it would turn out slightly different.
1: Yeah. So I, I want to say that the Hannah thing is a thing that like really had my like brain going all of the time, <laughs> Yeah, like trying to figure out like, is she a ghost? Is she not a ghost? If she is then like, how is she able to do all of these things? And like, why can everybody see her and interact with her? And yet these other ghosts just kind of like poof and then come back or are stuck doing an actual, like a, a haunting right? Cause if you're not a ghost expert, like Deanna and I are, um, a haunting is when the exact same action or movements happen. Uh, whereas like a ghost or a spirit has the ability to actually like roam and interact freely. Um, so like the lady in the lake is not actually a ghost. It is a haunting. Um, which if we're talking about like reality, I, I subscribe to the idea that like hauntings are real ghosts or not, but maybe that's, I don't know what episode that would be, Deanna, but that might be a different episode (laughs) of this podcast. But yeah, I was I was sitting there and I was like, okay, like, is she isn't she? I kept coming back to the food thing.
0: They really make you think about Hannah in particular. yeah. And I think that's very interesting because it's clear that she's been part of the family for so long that's something that we see so in the long. flashbacks but she doesn't have like you said any other real history before that.
1: Well, so in episode 5 and kind of at the beginning of the episode we re- we find out that her husband has left her. Right. And she's just like devastated by this. And so in my brain I'm like, "Oh, that's why she's so protective of this house and that is why she's so like freaking out when the family is coming back is because her husband has left her and she's actually just been staying at the house while like since he left her and while the family has been away. Um, and it turns out that that wasn't it either. Um, and so my brain is just like constantly thinking of these things about like Hannah and like, who, who is she? Right. Mm -hmm. And like what's happening here. And, Yeah, it's very interesting. I feel like I know that Danny is like the main character, but I spent most of my time thinking about Hannah in this show. And then I remember thinking like, haven't we already done this? Like, what's happening here? And then she kind of says like, wait, no, we've done this already. Like, right. And then Owen finally tells her like, he's like, he's like, yeah, you're right. Like, you have and like, the family's coming today. And you have to get ready. And this is happening. And then that's happening. And it took me a while to figure out what that meant, or why that was happening.
0: It was a little bit of a frustrating episode at it the beginning, was. because you're just like, why are you doing this to me?
1: Yeah, I was like, what is it? Like, what's the point of this? But we had not yet realized, like, we'd heard kind of the verbiage, like, um, of being tucked away, but we didn't really know what that meant. And we didn't really understand that, like, okay, like, in in this space, these ghosts kind of get pushed back into memories and they have to figure out, like, how to get out of that in order to actually interact.
0: And that's why we saw so much of Flora when she was five, Because those were sort of some of the last memories she seemed to have of her parents, too. And -hmm. you find out then that Henry had an affair with Charlotte. And you have that whole thing unraveling. There are so many things going on. But I think because of how Mike Flanagan rolls it out, it works really well. Because it's not like you necessarily lose track of how many things are going on. It's just each thing has to roll out in its own time in order to get you to the end and have everything come together and make sense. Yeah. So Flora ultimately being Henry's daughter, you're like, oh,
1: oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in that episode. In that episode where we have like the flashbacks all the time, I apparently wrote this note. Sorry, I was just looking at my at, at my notes because I came prepared cuz I'm a professional. Um, I wrote, "What is causing this to happen all of a sudden in episode 5? Has this been happening? Did I miss something? Oh shit, she died the day that Danny arrived. She's piecing it all together now. Wow, I told you. I knew she was dead." That's what I wrote. it took five episodes of me going back and forth about whether or not she was dead but i was right
0: which i don't think they confirm in episode five necessarily or you just don't see how she died until later
1: no you don't see how she dies yet yeah but you kind of piece together that like okay like whatever happened this happened on the day that danny arrived and that hannah's just now realizing that she's dead we're watching her like piece these things together. And as we're
0: piecing them together, you realize who is and isn't dead, too, because Owen and Jamie both leave every day.
1: And we never see Hannah
0: leave. Right. And Danny doesn't leave, but simply because she's been hired to stay there.
1: Yeah, we know that Danny's job is like a live-in, a live-in job. But we've also been told in the first episode that this is the only live-in job, like that none of the other staff lives on the premises. And so we never hear Hannah say that she's staying the night, but we also never actually see her leave. And I thought that the way that that was done was very smart because it's not a trick, right? Like you're not being told that she's leaving, but then turns out she actually wasn't. You just assume that she leaves because everybody else does and that you're just not seeing it. And it's not until you look back later that you're like, oh, she never once left. And I thought that that was really well done.
0: Even when you get the flashback of her having that conversation with Charlotte, you still are under the impression that she kind of has a place and leaves at least every once in a while.
1: Yeah, because you know that she has a hut, or well, before that she had a husband that she like left and like went home during that time. Like she's.
0: And she was like, oh no, I couldn't stay here full time. And it never really confirms in the flashbacks. Like, when or if she started staying there full-time.
1: Yeah. So it's just kind of up to your imagination, I guess, to try to figure that out. I thought that that was very well done, the way that that's presented.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about Episode 8, because I think 5 and 8 were the really important episodes because they were so different, Mm -hmm. especially in style, because a lot of Episode 8 is black and white we're going back to like the dark ages <laughs> pretty much and this is where we get the big appearance from Kate Siegel she is you know the daughter who ends up owning the house and like the the father's company because it was a time where they were like oh only men can run the companies and own homes and she was like uh no excuse me I am going to do this, and you're just going to live with it. We love that. But then she gets very, very sick. Mm. Very, very sick. <laughs> like, really bad. And you see how things start to spiral and how her sister is, you know, it's not that she's blatantly taking advantage of it, but she's thinking about, oh, well, there's going to be a time where Viola isn't here. Yeah,
1: yeah. And she very quickly starts, like, setting herself up to be, like, next.
0: Yeah. So the sibling dynamic there is really fun. But it also gives us the entire explanation for the lady in the lake without just giving us, like, five minutes of exposition on it.
1: It gives us an entire episode. And it's, it's not exposition. It's showing us. And like, I was just like, yes. Because I'm so sick of backstories being told to me. Like, show me show me I love this episode I think that this is the best episode of of the series just because like the storytelling is so good and everything in that episode is entirely like original and unique to this show because again like I said like that character doesn't exist in the book um, so this is all like original material and I thought it was so good and I was just like whoa and I loved it. I, I love this episode.
0: This episode seems to be the most polarizing ones for anyone who watched it, too. It's like people either really liked how this episode played out and showed us the history of Bly Manor, and some people thought it was a bit too jarring and kind of threw you out of the story.
1: Hmm. I don't know that I feel like it was jarring or threw me out of the story. I remember when it started... And it was in black and white. My initial reaction was like. Like that's trying too hard. Um, But once it. Actually started going. I was like oh okay. And 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 then what. Um, And I and I loved it. I especially loved like the way that it kind of like. Wraps up within the episode. And like those arms just jump out to. To choke her when she unlocks the trunk. Um, And I love that you get to see it from the perspective of like not being able to actually see her like, right. Like this is a ghost, but then you also get to see it again from the perspective of like you actually seeing her in the room and like what happened. Um, Like you, you get to see both of those things. And I was just like, I was like, this rules.
0: Yeah. I like how this kind of brought everything together. And then we still had another episode after this to really have things ramp up and, close out. One of the other things I wanted to talk about, too, was the future versions of the characters. So after everyone has left Bly Manor, you know, Owen has his restaurant, Danny and Jamie go visit him. And that's when we get the moment where he's like, you know, the kids don't really remember anything. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was so interesting, because people always say that, you know, kids are more resilient than you think they are. And they're more likely to forget things instead of holding on to them like adults do. And I think when they have things affect children differently in these kind of hauntings,
1: it's always really interesting to me. Did you like that part? I did and didn't. Like, I kind of was just like, that's an easy, that's an easy out. But also at the same time, I mean, like, I was, I was waiting for Miles to die, like the whole show and that doesn't happen either. <laughs> um, so I was like I was like okay like I whatever like we, we don't want these kids to be like messed up for the rest of their lives, right? Like we want them to be like okay and healthy and happy. Um, and it also allows for the way that the final episode plays out to actually happen, which I did not I didn't exactly see coming, but when it is revealed, right, that the girl is Flora, it doesn't surprise me. Right, like I didn't, I didn't predict it, but when it happened, I wasn't like what. I was just like, oh, okay, like that, that makes that, that's fair, that makes sense, that's why she's here.
0: The only question I had was, okay, if the kids don't remember them, why is Jamie there?
1: And this is the thing. So Owen obviously recognizes her because he kind of like acknowledges her, like he like looks at her, right. like, what are you doing here? Like whatever. But no one. No one goes, who is this woman and why is she here? The only thing I can think of is, you know, it seems to be a, a fairly larger wedding and a fairly larger wedding that involves money. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been to any of those, but there's a lot of times where people will not question who a guest is because the bride just assumes that they are from the groom's side of the family. And the groom just assumes that they're from the bride's side of the family. And nobody wants to seem rude and be like, who are you?
0: Or like they're a plus one or something. Yeah. Yeah. And the only thing I could think of was okay, maybe Henry invited them. At least Jamie and Owen. Obviously, Flora remembers Miles. They didn't forget each other, but they forgot everyone who didn't stay in their lives.
1: Yes. And so, like, they knew Owen, but not like deeply. And so. Right.
0: Because he did go visit, I think, more often than. Jamie and Danny would have.
1: I don't think Jamie and Danny ever visit. I think that I think that what we're left to like think about or like realize is that they probably would have. But then once they were told like, "Oh yeah, they don't remember any of it." That they were just kind of like, "Oh." Right. Maybe maybe we just won't. And so then this is really the first time that um that Jamie's really around them again. Um and I love when when she's like when when flora says to her you know she's like she's like well the the thing is you were wrong you said that this was a ghost story and it's not it's a love story i was just about to say that (laughs) so i love the danny jamie love story i did not think that that was going to happen i i love the way that those things are like slow they're slowly revealed and then you get kind of like the like oh this is who danny is this is why danny like broke off her engagement like and then this is her first real opportunity to like explore that piece of herself or like um like a relationship with another woman. I yeah did not see that coming. I was coming in expecting like this to be kind of like a little bit like jumpy, scary ghost story, and instead I got a tr- a truly authentic, like very goth. You got a haunted love story. story, which is my it's my favorite. Like I. I like real, like like gothic literature. Like ghost stories are almost always, or at least like in the old in the old days. Um, I'm such a purist. Love stories at their core, in a lot of ways. Um, and we with horror in the last like couple years, it's just gotten into this very like jump scare slasher like. Thing for a while and then like the gore horror was big for a while and in the last few years we've gotten into like woke horror um, <laughs> I, I don't know what else to call it which I but I love that I love horror movies that are actually about stuff. I've been loving this like Renaissance of like
0: good I think I've heard people call it like prestige horror because it's getting acknowledged. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like it's like bringing horror into this like light of like we can talk about horror in in a very smart and intellectual way. And I love that. And it's not all like B-list movies. No. Like these are great films. They're filmed well. The casting is good. Like the stories are brilliant. Um, I mean, just thinking about like the last couple of years, right? Like Get Out i think was like fantastic Midsummer, i absolutely love hereditary yep rules that that movie rules like oh my god uh so good and then now we're also seeing like with haunting of hill house and then like i think even more so and like better done with blind manor this like re not even reimagining but just like reclaiming of like what a ghost story is right like i love poltergeist like don't get me wrong um Mm -hmm. but classic ghost stories like this is what they are right like they're the ghost is really just revealing something to you about yourself um or like the people are also haunted but by their own thing and and the house is just a reflection of that right like I truly loved the love story in this. And I was very emotional in that last episode.
0: Yeah, I want to back up briefly to where Danny uses the it's us line to get Flora back. Because even though these kids have been so problematic for her the entire time, you can tell she has an attachment to them and particularly to Flora, because Flora is certainly much more innocent than Miles. And... Way less creepy, too.
1: Well, that's not Miles's fault.
0: Yeah, I know. But...
1: He possessed.
0: (laughs) Right. And then I think that dedication to making sure the kids were safe was the thing that put Danny sort of at the forefront. Because like you said, we had been thinking about Hannah so much, I think, up until that point. And then you get that final scene where Jamie cracks the hotel door and it ends with Danny's hand on her shoulder. And it's just so good.
1: I was just like, not weepy, weepy. I was weepy. (laughs) I was gonna try to play it off. I just, I love love. I love love. I love love stories. I love being in love. I love loving my friends. I just, it was so good. And I did not know that that was, I did not know that that was going to be like the thing right like i when we started to see like danny and jamie like exploring this relationship i kind of thought it was just going to be like studios did this thing where they're like look lesbians and you're supposed to be like yeah equality like and i'm just like get out like give me like a real and genuine story or like don't don't show me two girls kissing like right and it really is like a, 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 a true like story. And like we watch like in the aftermath is like they explore this time together and, you know, they're constantly living with this thing of like, this is going to end soon or maybe it's not, but it's going to end one day. And just as soon as they realize that, like, OK, maybe it's not that bad and like maybe this isn't going to happen. That's when Danny starts seeing uh, the lady in the lake again. Um And eventually it does like it comes for her because after a while I got kind of comfortable and I was like, oh, maybe it's never going to come for her and they're just going to live their lives happily ever after. And I love that for them and I want that for them. And then we realized that that's not the case. And I was like, no,
0: (laughs) (laughs) they give you that hope and they take it away. But then at the very end, you still get kind of this closure. And I think that worked really well. But Becky, I think we should start wrapping up. Are there any final thoughts you have? I personally really enjoyed this season. It was a much slower burn than Hill House because it didn't have as scary of a ghost element to it, but still very good.
1: I think that it was it was very good. I liked it better, I think, than the haunted okay. Hill House, which is interesting because as a story i think i like the book the haunting of hill house better than i like the turn of the screw same i'm very excited to see like what the next thing will be i kind of wish that i i wish that i had talked to you before and been like oh we should come with like guesses or predictions of what the next one's gonna be um because i think that that would have been fun i don't know what it. i don't know what it is um i don't either i would love for it to be like something like ambrose Bierce, maybe like that could be fun but we'll see. Whatever it is, I'm excited. I will say that, like, if if you enjoyed this season, um, if you enjoyed like the story, and you haven't read *The Turn of the Screw*, like I would still read it because it is different than the show. Specifically, if you liked the final episode, I would read, I would read a story by Henry James um, called *The Romance of Certain Old Clothes*. Um, you'll see a lot of parallels between like that final episode and that story. Uh, it's a story I like a lot.
0: Yeah. One last important thing we didn't mention. Was that they were using it's us with Miss Jessel and Quint, mm-hmm. and that's how the two of them were going to take over the children's bodies, and Miss Jessel backs out, and that's ultimately what gets us to everything that comes after that, and I just wanted to mention that because I've been forgetting to mention certain things lately, so
1: oh yeah, and i and I love that they did that because I remember going into that and being like, Wait are they both going to be possessed Are they is only one of them going to be possessed. And then I was worried that both of the children were going to die because in the book miles dies. Right. And so that like seeing Mrs. Jessel decide like, Nope, I'm not doing this. I was like, Oh shit. Okay, cool. We love that. Um, but I love the way that it sets it up where it was like, she said this thing because she thought that it would work, but she didn't really understand what it was, but she said it, anyway and like all she cared about in that moment was saving flora and i was just like oh my gosh like all she cares about is saving these children and she just did this thing that's gonna like end her um but i also love that like when she comes back to the house that like there's no more hauntings because she's not that type of person is basically what they said and i was like i like that I like that Jamie, when she's ending the story and people are like, so is this a real story? She's like, it's absolutely true. And they're like, so I could find a place called Bly Manor. And she's like, well, I'm sure that they've changed the name. And so if you actually went, like, you wouldn't hear it being called this and like, you wouldn't find this, like it's no, this area is no longer called Bly or like, or maybe it never was. And she was just calling it that for the story. You know, I like that because then, It makes it feel more real even to us as like viewers because it's like, you know, you always want to like look stuff up and be like, is this real? Is this not? And it's like, well, it wouldn't matter if you looked it up anyway, because yeah, they've renamed that since then. So I thought that that was really cool that they did
0: that. Another quick note, I didn't care much for Henry, even though he's like the head of the family now. It just felt like he had his own demons to work out and he never really got to work them out on screen. It's just like, he died and then didn't and i think that kind of is what set him straight but you really feel like there was a lot more to his character that maybe they didn't get to explore because we were so invested in all of the other characters by that point
1: yeah i i feel like with this being a series rather than a film that they definitely could have explored that a little bit more but i also feel like the focus by that point is meant to be on this like this relationship and this story between Danny and Jamie and not so much like revisiting like oh well like how's Henry doing (laughs) like and like does does he ever tell Flora like I'm assuming no but we don't know that like maybe he did it's not a perfect show by any means but I thought that it was a good story I really enjoyed watching it there's a couple things that I think could have been like done differently or or explored more but overall I liked it I don't I don't think it's like the best show I've ever seen but certainly worth a watch. I don't think that they never took haunting of Hill House off of Netflix, did they? So I'm assuming that this will just always be on there. They're Netflix originals, I believe. Yeah. So they'll just hang out. I don't think that it has to be October to watch this. Like obviously this episode's gonna come out uh in November because because we wanted to give people time to have watched it before listening. So that, you know, they don't get put off by the spoiler talk. But I would definitely say like if If you haven't watched it and you listen to this entire podcast, um,
0: oops, oops.
1: but also if you haven't watched it, then I would, I would, I would go and I would watch it because even though we did kind of like give away some like plot points and some spoilers, I definitely think that
0: there's still so much to this.
1: There's still so much to it. And I think most good ghost stories, you kind of know and expect what's going to happen. Um, But it's the way that it's told. It's not about what happens. It's about the way that it's revealed to you. And that's what makes a good ghost story interesting. So definitely check it out.
0: Well, Becky, thank you so much for coming on to talk about this.
1: Thanks for having me again. I love coming back. Well,
0: you will be back soon because we have lost episodes coming soon.
1: We have lost episodes (laughs) coming soon.
0: All right, everyone, that does it for this episode of Welcome to Geekdom. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so through our Patreon. You can sign up for a dollar a month. That'll get you a thank you on the show. $2 a month, you get to pick a topic that myself and a guest will discuss on the show. For $5 a month, you can join the Welcome to Geekdom Slack group where you can talk to myself and various guests who have been on the show. If you want to follow us on socials, you can do so at GeekdomPod on Twitter and at Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. And as always, thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.